brand new music podcast, Right Behind Us, hosted by me, Brandon Daniel of the Seattle band Beatty and the Sheiks. The concept here is to bring you conversations with contemporary recording artists, the kind of conversations we have with one another when we're hanging out backstage at barbecues, even in our own living rooms sometimes. When we're talking about creativity, music, and being entertainers, these kind of conversations rarely leave the comfortable settings that I just described, and I wanted to bring them to you. Today our guest is Mr. Rob Mercer of the Seattle band Zebra Hunt. Rob is a great guy, talented musician, and he and I have chatted like this many times over the years, just without microphones. I'm introing the interview with Zebra Hunt's song Beaches, which is one of my favorite songs released by anyone in the past few years. Before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor today, Blumenstein Audio. Check out Blumenstein Audio for the ultimate fidelity single driver speakers and audio accessories for music lovers. Since 2006, Blumenstein Audio has been handcrafting their fine line of speakers in Washington State out of bamboo and birch woods. They've received wonderful reviews from publications like Tone Audio, and they've sold speakers to every continent, even Antarctica. Get 10% discount on Blumenstein's fine products just for being a listener of this podcast. That's right, just enter the promo code BD for Brandon Daniel on checkout at BlumensteinAudio.com. That's B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N audio.com. Now, here's Beaches from Zebra Hunt. nice time um having music conversations around shows and that's exactly that's all i was trying to get out of this whole thing is like the kind of conversations that uh someone like yourself and i would have you know like outside the show um let's make sure that's on and it's not okay cool so now we know all right now we know that we that all that shit wasn't gonna make it all right i'm glad we said all the terrible stuff that we had to say about people (laughs) Before, <laughs> before they, we'll the, have to mark that point before we actually started recording. But um, so you grew up in Eastern Montana, uh-huh. and um, was it a musical family? I mean, what time, what age did you start playing at? Okay, yeah, I mean, my my uncle was in a band in uh, in uh, the sixties mm-hmm. in college. What band? Um, they were just called the Mavericks. They were like mostly just a cover band, mm. but he, he's pretty musically inclined. Like I just sit down on the piano and play by ear. So that was always kind of around me. 
But I never, I don't know, I played saxophone in high school and just read oh. music. But I never oh, really, I never, music. I never really got a guitar until I was like 21 or something like that. And Do you still read music? No, no, not at all. I wouldn't know how to. Um, it's hard to transpose from saxophone to guitar anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I had quit. I think I'd quit saxophone. I think my mom bought me the sax. I do remember this. My mom bought me the saxophone in high school, and then I I kept it like when I moved out here, mm-hmm. even post college, and uh, and I sold it, and I bought a Marshall head with it. Nice. Like I needed to know that that <laughs> musical money was yeah. being transferred to another musical instrument. You know. Well, yeah, that surprises me that you didn't start playing until what we as musicians would consider later. Yeah, you totally. know, Because um, you're pretty feverish about music in general. I mean... Yeah, I kind of feel like I was a little bit... I mean, I grew up in a what you could consider a rural town in eastern Montana. I mean, it was only probably like 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. It just didn't... Like, the only place you could buy music when I was a kid was Kmart. Oh, so they wow. weren't they weren't going to carry... A cure record or something you know right like you just weren't going to come into that and then mtv hit cable and so that was a little bit of some of that you know right. but then when i went to school and there was college radio it was just like boom for me so you didn't get into playing though until what your first band at like 20 21 yeah i didn't even i don't even think i i don't know what i had when the first band was no my first band was yeah like more like 24 Wow. Something like that here in town. Wow. Hitting yeah. Seattle. Yeah. You moved out here for college? No, after college. Moved out here. Where did you go to college? Uh, Bozeman, Montana State oh, okay. University. Yeah. 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 A good music town. Like, that's mm-hmm. where. Yeah. Like, we had bands come through uh, that were like Meat Puppets came through. and Nice. Um, Husker Du came through and Sonic Youth and the Feelies mm-hmm. came through. Like, it was. We had, there was one dude in town that um, um, Joe Howard who goes by the name of Joe Skyward now who played in Posies and Sky Cries Mary and stuff but he in Bozeman was like the promoter like responsible for me seeing a lot of um, early great music well the college circuit at that time was from what I understand super important as it still is I think financially it's still important but at that time, like, college radio was the trend-setting yeah. demographic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, Nirvana's Bleach, that was only popular with college radio, from right. what I understand. But that was enough. That was a big deal. Yeah. So it got them, you know, the pre-Nevermind hype. Yeah, you're hype. right. You're right. Like, Bleach was so different than Nevermind, not just in its popularity, but in the way that it, it, it was it's no stunning. longer just a college couple years later it was no longer just a college uh audience right for that kind of thing yeah i mean it went from college to commercial but co- but that i mean i my only point in saying that is because like it was those radio college radio stations that were bringing out those bands to you yeah they were on a circuit yeah they were following the yeah. radio play exactly you know you're right like because that's where they get the promotion I mean, you're right. I worked at the radio station, and I remember, like, that's what we do promotion for. Like, there'd be a band coming to town, and if you were into music, that was the only thing happening in, yeah. in the next two weeks. Yeah. Is whatever band's coming to town, and you promote it, you talk about it, like, are you going? Right. Like, yeah, I'm going. Awesome. 
And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure most of them were a big deal, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. You know, I wish it was still like that. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> fragmented attention span. God. No, it is not like that anymore. Um, when did you get into writing, though? I think as soon as I got a guitar. I wanted to get a guitar kind of for that reason. Oh, really? Yeah, so I just bought a pawn shop acoustic guitar and just started to teach myself to play. Because of what groups? I don't know. I think I remember for some dumb reason, not dumb, but it was Dylan. Like I wanted, yeah. But then you realize like how hard it is to be followed Dylan or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, it's but I had hard. acoustic. I, you know, I bought an acoustic guitar, so it's like all the rock music. You know, I, I like wasn't gonna start trying to do Husker Du. Or, oh right, what kind of acoustic? It was like a Yamaha. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's yeah. like. Actually, still have it. Like it's still a solid guitar. It's nice. The cam- it's the camping guitar. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I know. I, that's still what I'm like telling parents to get their kids when they're like, yeah. oh, so my daughter wants a guitar. It's like, okay, get her an acoustic guitar. What kind? Just like just a cheap Yamaha. Yeah. They sound good. Yep. They have bad hardware, but here's the deal. Like if they. If she likes playing it in a year, you can upgrade. But 99% yeah. of them won't be playing in a year. Right. But you're right. If you can get through one of those Yamahas, anything then else is going to be better. Like I got through an, a 19... That was not here in the room. A 1969 Goya. Hmm. Where the action was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, an inch off the fretboard. Really more like a quarter of it. But it's still Very exotic, so much though. higher than... A Goya is much more exotic than a Yamaha. Well, it was exotic at the time, but exotic <laughs> in the 90s was not exotic. It was a piece of shit, you know? But the only night, the sentimental part of it was it was my dad's. And oh, I had cool. to beg him to get it out of the attic. Cool. You yeah. know? Yeah. Where it was warping to shit, you know? <laughs> that needs to be played. Well, I, I wanted to join a band. They wanted me to be the bass player. My parents went like buy me anything so i had to beg my dad to like just get it out just if i could give me something so i could just start doing it it's awesome so So you had this idea you wanted to be a you wanted to start a band like that was kind of like um vision pretty much i'm i i started the idea on drums and i and i and i was going to the music room every day to play to play drums and try to work out the beats that were in my head so that I could write music to him, and I, and I was kind of doing that. And then um, I found I was such a reject in middle school that I was finding that, like, well, at least the shitty kids were getting interested in me for the idea that we could be in a band together. Yeah. And so then I was just like the lead singer, and then they <laughs> wanted a bass player. You know, I wasn't a good enough drummer. They had a good drummer. My first drummer was the was the son of um, the drummer from Yes. Really? Yeah. So that's where we rehearsed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the kids in the band were shitheads, but <laughs> but that kid was nice. Um, and and he his, had an awesome his kid. dad, his yeah, and his dad provided our sound system for our first concert ever, which was at a karate that's place. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> perfect um but yeah no the idea was just to um just to kind of make En-ROADS yeah and then quickly it became like oh no I have to do this and I think 
what really uh, helped, uh, you know, fixate my resolve on it was um, the shitty dorks kicking me out of the band. Yeah. Because I didn't have a bass. And they finally got their bass player. You needed an instrument. And, yeah. And uh, and so I'm like, and they were really rude about it. So I'm like, I'm going to create a band, you know. Yeah. And I'd already got my electric guitar at that point. I'd been really doing it. My parents made me prove it. I proved it yeah. for probably a year or something. And then um, we, I just called up this kid who I, you know, remember in junior high, there's like all these different sects. Of kids, yeah, like, not totally. S e c t s, yeah, you know? uh, yeah, and and they were just like they split yeah. off into their groups, and yeah, this kid tribes, yeah, and this kid was in like a fun, uh, like funny group of kids mm-hmm. that I always wanted to be a part of, but they were just like, no, you get out of here, we're funny, yeah, you're not, and um, but when I called him up to be my bass player because I heard that he was a good bass player, then it was like, okay. And suddenly and, I'm like good buds with this guy, yeah. and he was my he was my band guy, and then and then I got a drummer, got a drummer who was a year older than me and a girl. Bonus. Wow. We were like, you know, we thought we were pretty. Music cool. connects people, man. Yeah, especially <laughs> at that age, you yeah. know. And like, uh, this is awesome. Yeah, we were off and rolling. I, I it was like, I almost thank all the shitheads in junior high for <laughs> making me so determined. Yeah. That's awesome. To be in a band. And the inspiration, you're like, I'm going to make this happen. If everything else sucks in your life and all you have is music, then you're going to be pretty committed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the best outlets. I'll agree with you there, yeah. Um, But back to you, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Now that that great story is out of the way. (laughs) It needed to be told. (laughs) Fine. Probably tell it five times over on this recording again <laughs> um but what was your early band experiences like then uh i was in a i was in a so when i moved out here i couldn't decide whether i wanted to do like art or like fine art or graphic design or music and and i i i actually was working at like a print shop like, I was like, okay, this is my non-committal job. Like, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm just going to work at a, on a printing press at a print shop, which is kind of related to design. But And um, an old friend from Montana <clears throat> was looking to start a band. And I, I was working a swing shift, you know, from the, like, afternoon to the, to midnight or two in the morning or something. I can't remember. But I couldn't. At the print I couldn't, shop. Yeah, I couldn't wow. commit to uh, being in a band and... But then my shift moved into from you know mornings into getting off in the afternoon, and I'm like, hey, if you still want to do a band, mm-hmm. a game. And I kind of had a few songs that I'd just written for myself, but anyhow, we decided decided to start a band and found a bass player, and then I think we threw an ad in some local. So he was a drummer. No, he was a guitar player. We were two guitar players. Oh. Bad <laughs> recipe for starting a band, That's but we great. did know a bass player. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's rare that the two yeah. guitar players yeah. start the band. <laughs> yeah. It's like, usually uh, like, we need a solo <laughs> yeah. player. It's more just like you're sitting around just going like, we both play guitar. There's nothing to do right now until yeah. we find at least something else somewhere. Right. Else. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we found a ba- we had a bass player who had a house with the, with the practice, you know, like basement. Oh yeah. We could practice. 
And I was like, that's great. Um, and then we just auditioned drummers, like that dumb exercise of totally. just like people answering. Yeah, like people yeah. answering ads. And then mm-hmm. it's like, it's like the first song is like, okay, well, that was that kind of song. And the second song that you pick, and you know, somewhere like within the first, you know, verse or something like that, you're like, yep, nope, this isn't gonna. Right. But yet you like play four more songs (laughs) just to like just to be like make it worth their time for driving out here and setting up their entire drum kit in the basement it was goofy but that band was called the deflowers and it was like it was like it was power pop it was power pop in the era of like i like that name the uh, deflowers the deflowers yeah i like that but it was i mean we were into anything from cheap trick replacements to uh you know beach boys was you this know, on Capitol Hill? Like at the time? Uh, we actually practiced. Let's see. I think, yeah, I, I lived on Capitol Hill, but we practiced in Ballard. So was this during the era? This is like early 90s. So it was bef- it was right when grunge was taken off, and we're like this power pop band. I've heard that was a bizarre time to be in Seattle. Because yeah, it like... wasn't. We were going against the current. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we just weren't noisy enough or oh. heavy enough. Right. We weren't heavy enough. Right. Um, and we You're didn't still have... not heavy. Yeah, you're, no. I but, mean, you're one of the... Your tone is one of the brightest of, of any band that we play with. And, yeah. And it's like... Which is enjoyable because it's so... Yeah, it's pretty clean. Yeah, you're not, I mean, you're not uh, crunching it up to compensate for anything. Right. Yeah. Which I is don't... often the case. Yeah, I kind of like that space between clean and dirty mm-hmm. like where it sounds clean when you i mean i don't play with any pedals i just plug straight into that's the right i mean actually some on a couple songs i use a delay pedal but i don't there's no telly. distortion you play a telly yeah super bright yeah right play through it. a fender amp yeah that's and you just turn it up to that bright. point where it where you know it 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 breaks up good when you're you know yeah. you're hitting it hard but yeah. it's totally clean when you back off but you collect amps like you collect gear. I don't know if I collect it. I just well, acquire you... it for different <laughs> ideas. Okay, all right. <laughs> There's been, you know, I've, I've, used, more... I've used them all in different eras of different music. Okay. But then I just don't get rid of them. That's kind of, I guess, what the case is. So when you record, let's say, like the next Zebra Hunt record, are you going to bring in different amp options? Like, probably not. Tonally, between songs? I don't know. Probably not. I don't, I guess I don't, that usually isn't the way I think. Mm-hmm. Usually the way I think is you just find that sound and find that space that is feeling right and you're vibing with. Right. And then play the songs. Well, see, that's so funny because that's the way that I am, which is why I lack extra equipment. Yeah. Because yeah, you talked know, about that. Yeah. Yeah. But differently, when I go into the studio, I'll be like, what amps do you have here? Yeah. Like, let's try out some things just to... And I'm not saying uh, one is uh, better than the other. Of course not. But, like, it's just, like, you know that I, I carry a very consistent rig. Yeah. But when yeah. uh, when I'm recording, it's like, well, let's, <laughs> like, let's try let's, everything let's out. Let's see what the palette has to offer. Yeah, when, yeah, and you actually have that stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I'm... I guess I'm... I kind of have always felt like I'm a... I guess I think of it as bad or... 
like limited in my mindset of like the idea that when you go into a studio, it's a different, it's a different thing than live or practice or your bedroom or whatever. So you're a little but bit of I, a purist. I don't, I don't know if it's a purist or if it's just like, I, I think I know what I want when I do it in those other versions uh-huh, uh-huh. and I'm not, I guess like my mind doesn't open up to the textures and the palette of like what recording is and mics and pedals and right. amps and like try ideas and then mix them later. It's just a yeah. whole different way of creating music that I don't know. Like, I guess I always have thought of just trying to document what we do as opposed to live. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to creating a new painting of that song or whatever I, I really like that i mean i've i've definitely there have definitely been times over the years where i've had a very similar mentality um and i can't even really account for why yeah the change i mean happened. i wish i could break out of it like i just need somebody to probably kick me in the ass and go shut the fuck up and just oh like, you seem to like a collaborator <laughs> that you know like a um producer or you yeah. know someone like that 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 goes, oh, let's try all this other shit. Yeah. And then you're like... And then oh. you see it work, and you're you like... You see it work. Aha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And I feel like that's maybe what I've limited myself to. I haven't allowed it to work at some point in time where I'm like, okay, now I can think like that. Now I can allow myself to... But we've talked about this before uh, between the two of us. I mean, it, it's hard to find the producer anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find the producer that's going to get you um, X. It's right. much harder to find the the producer that's going to get you X plus. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they really do become like the fourth band member or whatever. So, you know, your right. band's a three piece, my band's three piece. Yeah. Becomes like the extra member of the group that what they're doing is really more important than those amp tones. Right. Right. Yeah. As far as you know, driving you forward, driving yeah. your sound forward. Yeah. But it would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it would be cool to hear like because uh, you guys have done great work so far and it would be cool to hear it like unexpectedly evolve yeah although I think there was a little bit of that with Aaron yeah yeah you know when you recorded with I, Aaron yeah and I think I mean I think we kind of want to do that mm-hmm. we're we have just actually just recently been talking about okay what's next for recording like we have new songs this season we just set the time and like let's 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 lay something down for yeah. whatever reason and I think we we would like to do it in a little bit looser, like there's no agenda for this material. We could think of it as demos. Right. Like, and be able to experiment and not be so Well, yeah, because you added a key player, too. Yeah. How's yeah. that going? Is that still... Yeah. Actually, I mean, I guess I would say that we're pretty much a four-piece, at least with the new yeah. material moving forward. And just trying, you know, it's like we've been doing it for three years. Right. So I think in a lot of ways, too, it's just to just to mix it up and keep it fresh and keep, you know, like you guys did the same thing where you just rearranged the instrumentation. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's accidental. Really? Yeah. But there's something about it to me, it freshens things up. Uh, totally. You know, it just, it just, um, as it, long as that throws you member. back and maybe yeah. the listeners back on their heels just for a second so that they can readjust and just reinterpret. I think it's cool. It is cool. I've I've thought about adding a fourth person, but it's um, oh, there's so many things that go into it. Because now we have a keys player who plays bass, so he does both. So I do bass and gu- guitar. Yeah. 
Now, what's the fourth person going to do? Are they going to? They've also got to be a multi instrumentalist because uh, what would be great is if we could hand bass to them sometimes, yeah. and hand keys to them sometimes, and hand guitar to them sometimes. Yeah. And to yeah. me, that just all sounds like a big stage production. You know, it like is, I mean, one more person is just a lot. It, I don't know why, but it just feels like a lot more. Yeah, uh, and it's hard when you start getting paid more. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. finally, we're getting paid more, and now we yeah. have to like split it between another guy. Yeah. Now yeah. we're getting paid the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a, that is true. Yeah. Um, but you're. Uh, well, I don't normally like get off, like get this th- this far off into uh, the dynamics of your band. But yeah. your um, the last show that I was at of yours, uh, I was talking to your new guitar player, key player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget what he was saying. He's more comfortable with. Is it he's more comfortable with guitar, or Probably he's more keys, comfortable I with keys. Yeah, keys? That's right. So yeah. he was telling me, yeah, like uh, you know, the 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 guitar parts. You know, I'm just kind of like trying to keep it. I'm just kind of trying to keep up. Yeah. You know, well, he's but a bass, he doesn't he's, sound like it. He sounded great. No, he's a bass player, so he's familiar oh, with the, right. you know, he's yeah. familiar with the, the you know, the scalable world. Yeah. You know, that that is, but yeah, it's the scale that's different, definitely. Well, I like, I like things that create people's musical thumbprint. You know, like, I like the reasons why it that solo sounded the way it did yeah or that melody sounded the way it did because yeah. that's what this guy can do yeah yeah i think that you know that's more important than how much can you do it's just yeah. like yeah why do i like what you do oh it's because you play bass normally and not yeah. guitar yeah. okay that totally works no i i agree i agree it's it's good to hear people it's almost like you free them from the instrument by making them do another instrument. Yeah. And then the, the purity of who they are. I mean, I don't know. Hell if I know. I'm just... That's I'm just a great point, Theorizing, though. like, that there might be something in that that makes it cool. That's a great point. That's exactly how I felt the first time I played bass after I'd been playing guitar for 10 years. Yeah. You know, and I was at a friend's house, and, and they were like, we're, you know we're having band rehearsal right now and I'm like okay cool well, let me come down and play bass and they're like what they're two piece <laughs> and they've been considering adding a bass player uh-huh. and uh, and they're like okay and I went down there and I didn't you know all I was just playing by ear but it was so freeing you know yeah. it's yeah. really true you didn't have to worry about chords for one well I, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's just like or like uh, a tendency I have uh, when I'm playing, you know, along to somebody, mm-hmm. playing by ear, yeah. is that every yeah. like my patterns on guitar will end up sounding really like bluesy. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm just, <laughs> or I'm funking it up, you know. Like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah, you just go to your default <laughs> yeah. jam, especially <laughs> after you've had a few beers or whatever. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is it, man. I got you. Do you jam? No, I'm bad not me at that. either. I'm bad. I'm really bad. At I that. guys, that's so refreshing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I like, and not, I'm not like conceitedly bad at it. Like, I wish I kind of could. Like, I wish. What would be I could just like roll, bad? <laughs> I, like, well, no, I mean, just the idea of just jamming. Like, dude, let's jam. Like, not attractive, just as an idea. 
but I actually would love to just like if somebody starts playing a song or even like some dumb 12 bar blues thing it'd be fun right. to just like actually kind of be good at it but I no. I no, I totally agree <laughs> I don't know why it would be good I guess it just well it'd be like... nice to be able to be like to really keep up to feel yeah. so comfortable with your playing that you're like I sure well there drop is into whatever yeah and like going back to my uncle like I have uncles on both sides of my family my dad's my mom's that are both musicians were in bands everything right. actually one of them is still playing music like uh, I think he's 68 well, what was he doing he plays plays guitar in a cover band in eastern oh, wow. Montana but um but you know when I've sat down and played with them like the, the way that they approach guitar especially like cover music like there is they can play with anybody playing almost anything because there is this script of rules that they've learned yeah there's fingerings and styles and progressions and stuff that they just they just know and spontaneous synergy that they're familiar with yeah but when i watch them it's like they're speaking french or something like right. i kind of I, I it sounds familiar it sounds like those songs from that time but i'm looking at them and i can't understand what's going on like right. I'm watching their hands and and i i just i don't get what that fingering position is. it just doesn't make any sense um, visually, you know, but, but it sounds like, oh yeah, that's the, that's that moody blues lick or I don't know. Whatever. Oh yeah. Oh, those like, guys I recognize that. on that level. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's, it was a different time of the way that you learn to play guitar compared to the way that it seems like we do. Or did. Oh yeah. Well, I also think there's a difference too, between like musicians that get into it to, to write and musicians that uh, start out learning everything mm -hmm. that they can, whether they're learning it off of the radio or uh, through training, uh, they're still kind of in the same category of like musicians who learned how, or songwriters who learned how to be musicians before they learned how to be songwriters. Right. They start off with like a real advantage. And yes. if there's anything that I could have changed about my own starting it would have been learning to be a musician first and then becoming a songwriter where i was literally yeah. the first night playing my guitar i was trying to write a song that's you awesome know? that's so, exactly me right. that's, that's exactly me too yeah. so that's good to hear I because if yeah i feel like i'm i've been playing catch up with trying yeah. to figure out how to play be a musician better to make yeah. the song better yeah yeah Totally. And which is why, I mean, I, how many other years later, decades and a half later, like I will turn down neighborhood or circumstantial uh, offers to jam. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we could, but like, yeah. I'm not going to enjoy I it. Would, yeah, <laughs> me too. And I want to enjoy it. And I, I kind of won't offer anything. Like, but I'm not it, being a snob. I just don't. Yeah, it's almost it's like the great. yeah. It was like the same thing when I was a kid. It's like you're tall. You want to play basketball? It's like <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I, I couldn't. Like I'll. I suck. Right. <laughs> it's the same thing. You play guitar. You should play with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it it only appears like I could be good. Although you have played in groups over the years, uh, just as guitar player, right? Um. What was that no. group that you toured in Spain with? I thought that you were just no, like... No, I played a... bass. 
I played oh, bass. Playing C? Yeah, with Joel Phelps and the Downer Trio. I played bass. Yeah. So that's an example of you just going along for it. Yeah. 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 And that's cool. I mean, I like playing. Well, that bass is it's very disciplined and minimal. It's easy. But what P bass? Is it a P bass? What? I, well, I borrowed a bass. I don't know what it was. Oh, okay. But usually it is. Yeah. Or I have a jazz bass, I guess that it's pretty similar. Yeah. 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 Not like this guy. <clears throat> I know, I saw that. I but that, played, that's played a, one of those before actually. That's a three quarter. Oh really? Yeah. Is that what you regularly play? We're no, look, the one we're that I play. Like Gretsch Electro was it? Yeah, it's, it's like one of the cheap Gretsch yeah. single humbucker pickup. Uh I think these things are like 350 or whatever. Yeah. No, that that's just like my um, writing room bass. Initially, we got it for the band. Um, and then we got signed uh, to that label we were on for a little bit. And uh, we had we asked them if they'd get us that... Uh, it's not great. It's just, uh, the Hoffner. Oh, yeah. We got the Beatle yeah. bass. Yeah. And then what's cool about the Beatle bass is not only is that a three-quarter, but the strings are much lighter... That one, the strings are heavy, yeah. like normal. Yeah. Um, the Hofner, the strings are much lighter. I don't know if that's... I don't know why that is. That could actually be our own... That could be our bass <laughs> player's liking. Yeah. But what's cool about it, sometimes I'll, I'll play the same, like, harmonic major, you know, mm -hmm. like... You know, and, and so I'll be plucking away at two different strings at the same time. Yeah. With a pick, because I'm a guitar player, not yeah. a real bass yeah, yeah. player. And... Um, only the Hoff the Hoffner is the only bass and, and bass players will tell you this uh from what I've heard. I've talked to a lot of them about it. The Hoffner is the only one that picks up every single pluck. Really? So that one gets really muddy. It's like yeah. you know. But the Hoffner will be like boom ba doom ba doom ba doom ba doom ba doom ba doom ba You know? You can it hear just, it all. It gets everything. Yeah, like a like a guitar. That's cool. I've never played one. Yeah, they're they're awesome, but I, the only thing that you know irritates me about the Hofner is like the exact at the exact time that we were we plucked it out, you know, it was uh, suddenly like a staple that year on you know multiple famous garage bands stage. Yeah, yeah. Like you just started seeing it pop up in all these different groups. Yeah. And there's something to that. Like, huh. I'm not claiming to be an original at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. Beatle bass, yeah. for crying yeah, yeah. out loud. We're not, yeah. But there's yeah. a wave of popularity that happens with certain instruments, you know? Like when, you know, like um, like a Les Paul. Yeah. Like a Les Paul is yeah. always popular, but sometimes you'll just, it's like, just, it just fits a genre. Yeah. It and just, it pops yeah. out. You're right. You're right. It's fucking Les Paul. That's true. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> I do not like Les Pauls at all. No, just, do you think except, it's the no, hand size? There's, wait, there's one that I do like. Oh, and okay. It's, it's my friend Andy's, and he, it's like he got it years ago. It's an old early '50s gold oh, top. Oh, whoa! It's a different neck then too. Different right? neck, and I mean, I think everything's been replaced on it. But you know, the body and the neck are the same, and it's light. Oh it's yeah, light. I like, know the one you're talking it, about. It's just, I, it's weird to hold a Les Paul that weighs like a. Fender, you know, yeah. just a lighter guitar. Well, that's um, what my uh, oh, it's not here. My dual, my my dual tone mm -hmm. feels like is that because it's the synthetic body. Yeah. 
So it's the same body at, for, for the most part. It's like a modern body of the Les Paul. Yeah. But it's so light. Yeah. And, it, and it's got a different neck. See, the thing that I never liked about the Les Paul, and I know there are different eras like that one where you, yeah. you, you get a different neck. Yeah. But there, the Fender um, fretboard fit my hand better. Yeah. The Gibson fretboard was always so tiny. Yeah. You know, which I is good for. Well, I guess it depends shredding. which ear I get. Well, it's narrower, right? Like it's the scale narrower, is shorter. Yeah. yeah, but I have. Is big, that what you mean? Like yeah, it's but I have a friend uh, down in Portland who's a great <clears throat> guitar player, and he's like six six. And he's these <laughs> huge hands. And he loves his Les Paul. Yeah, I think it's also probably just getting used to it. Like I don't totally I pick up a Gibson, and it just feels. And who like you saw? Who you saw playing guitar? Yeah, like who was your? Oh yeah, what did he, what what made you want a Telecaster? My friend Joel, like, would make it sound so good. Oh okay, and uh, so it wasn't a player like Tom Petty or something. No, no, because Telecasters were never. I mean, not until way later were they ever like really. Keith Richards though. Yeah, there was there was a few, mm-hmm. you know, or like Joe Strummer. There was there was a handful. But it wasn't like Strats or, or Les Pauls. Right. You know, I mean, no. I mean, those are the ones that seems like everybody went after because it's pretty easy to identify some master of one of those two instruments. Yeah. But there's no there's no super guitar god that seems like that plays Telecaster. What? Keith Richards. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but he's also well. I guess he's. I guess most of his era was. I always think of him though as like all over the place, like three thirty-five and that's true. I don't know other stuff too. Yeah, he's just got that nineteen fifties telecast and or I, whatever it is. Yeah, and I like. I don't know. I don't want to get in debates about like Keith Richards is just an awesome rhythm player, like well, innovative in rhythm. But it, you know, yeah. I think people. I don't know. For some reason, I think the the Les Paul and Strat like became famous because there were people that shredded on them, or like that just became the yeah like the technique, you know. Was... I mean, I think maybe it even might be as far back of a thing of of the era. I mean, there's plenty of musicians that would like argue with our conversation about this right now, but uh, who cares? Uh, but you know, it's like. I think it might have just been part of an era like Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and rock and roll, early uh, commercial guitar rock and roll of the, you know, 1950s and early 60s. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that they were playing those instruments is what made people all the way up until now want to play those instruments. Yeah. You know, those particular ones. Yeah. It's like, you like that guy? That's your guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, it's totally true. And that's what you get used to. Yeah, that's the hat that you wear. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um uh, to switch gears a little bit, what is, um do you have, you, you told me a little bit about uh, recording plans, but do you guys have like album plans or like new, um, new material that you want to put yeah, out? Yeah, we have new material. I don't know if they'll eventually turn into another album or if I guess it just depends how fast we write right like if it comes yeah. together quickly we might hold it for another record or we might just be like now's a good time to put out a single or EP or something I don't well know. that's a good point like how fast do you write in general typically I don't know because it seems like it goes up and down yeah but, well I feel the same I don't know I feel like I'm 
feel like I'm lucky if I get like a song a month done or something sure. like that, you know, or I mean, I'll write more than that per month, but a lot of times I'll bring it in and it's just not, it just doesn't stick. Like it just doesn't, when the you chemistry, bring it into the band, yeah, the yeah. chemistry is not there. I mean, there's songs that I think is just some stupid idea and it actually sounds really amazing. I'm like, all right, I'll try to have, figure out how to make this work. Right. And then it becomes great. And then there's other songs where I think it's going to be great. It sounds great at home. Right. Like I have it in my head and you try to orchestrate it and it's just like, that ain't doing nothing. Yeah. And we're pretty good about just going like, all right, let's move on. Try it. Yeah. yeah, Just don't try to force it because that just gets aggravating. and, and Don't force it. But I mean, good things can come out of those songs that don't, you know, work with the band later on. Yeah. Like endless potential for that kind of shit. And I also think sometimes back to the studio artistry yeah like sometimes i wonder like well maybe we're just you know maybe as live in a practice like it's not working but what if this in the studio like could somehow be something like what if you just yeah built it in the studio as oh you could to... totally do that yeah all you need is time and money yeah you know and uh, a little bit of experience doing it and yeah that that totally happens yeah and it's exciting but I don't know. I think you and you and I, and or at least even our two bands, are kind of similar in the way of like, um, see if it works with the band, and then see how it works live, and then if those two factors check out, record it. Right. Right. And I know there are other, yeah. but you know, there's plenty of great examples of people doing it totally the opposite. You know, or they just build it in their room or studio. Yeah. For forever, yep. and then take it out live, yeah. which seems terrifying. You know? <laughs> I know they build the live show around the recorded, yeah, version. I would rather take out the, I would rather take out a brand new song that we have rehearsed twice, yeah, than a song that I've perfected uh, on record, yeah, and then try and take yeah. it out live. Me See, too. That's the way I think too. Like yeah. I don't, I can't even comprehend the idea of some idea conceived in the studio and then somehow we have to reverse engineer it on stage. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's done all the time. I'm sure it's not impossible. It is done all the time. But I never, I've done it. Yeah. It feels weird. (laughs) And you know, no matter how the crowd response goes to it, there is always kind of that feeling of like, well, you should hear what it really sounds like. Yeah. Recorded. Yeah. You know, which this day and age, they're probably not going to hear it. <laughs> Recorded. Yes. There's more people coming to live shows than there are people yeah. know, buying content these yeah. days. So fucking Yeah, that's strange. a whole topic right there. That's a oh, whole, believe me. That's a whole podcast I have to right like, there. I have to like pull out of that subject every uh, conversation yeah. that I have for this podcast. Not to go into it, but I do think it's interesting. I think it's one of those spaces that nobody really knows what's going on mm-hmm. at any given yep. time. And it changes pretty fast. But definitely interesting. Well, I've already like kind of theorized this on the sh- on the show once before, but I, I I can say a little quicker this time. I do think that it might be interesting the way that um, this might actually lead to people at a time when we're recording is easier than ever. Um, so you have people creating more than than did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also 
because of the the live you know pay and and everything it we might actually be getting more music that's uh, like it was in the early days based off of what works live than it is based off of what works in the studio or what people think works in the studio yeah it could happen because of the culture right now that we're yeah. as musicians experiencing where we're getting encouraged to basically play live more than we are being encouraged to yeah. make records yeah yeah you know but you're right more of the in, more of the money around the industry is coming from live performances mm-hmm. for the artists for the artists um then which which drives the direction that the artists will go and ideally it would be the fans interest coming from the artists yeah so you play it live and if it doesn't work you drop it and if it works you refine it for that right. live show right and then you go in the studio and look what you got yeah. i mean something that's going to translate i i think it's it's much harder to ruin something that translates live yeah. than it is to ruin something live that translated well on album, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's just like stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get any stand-up comedy records anymore. Why? We don't get any stand-up comedy <laughs> openers anymore. What happened to that? Yeah. You, you know, that used to be a thing. Right. I would like to do that. I'd love to do a show where there was a, a comedian opener. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, you think we could do it here in Seattle? David where... Cross did a tour for a while, like of uh, like opening up for bands. Uh, what's her name? A- Amy Schumer is opening for Madonna. Really? But that's only four shows. But yeah, <laughs> still awesome. She's pretty killer. Okay. I saw her uh, come to the Paramount for it was. They did a tour before her movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to name all the comedians that were on it, but they were all killer because I, the only reason I'm not going to name them is because I can't remember that many people at once. But, um, and Amy Schumer came out and she was the headliner. I mean, she just free, she slayed. And Eddie Vedder was in the front row and he was all like, <laughs> he was having a great time. It's pretty funny. It's weird in this town when you just recognize all your locals that, yeah. that you know, yeah, this town isn't that big. It, it frequently no. reminds you how how small it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's crowded in that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it is bizarre. I mean, what's bizarre is like when you're walking through PCC and there's the dude from the president's and you're supposed to just like... PCC is an organic grocery store for just outside Seattle. But, you know, you're just... What are you supposed to do? You know? <laughs> Yeah, I've got my eight-year-old to, son who loves a little dune buggy. Like, am I supposed to say hi? You're supposed to avoid that. Like, what? So, what happened to me? Luckily, was is that... it cooler? Annoying? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> I wouldn't think it is. If I were him, I would be like, oh god, I'm just trying to get some chard here. How many times? <laughs> just want some crunch berries. Jeez. The organic kind. <laughs> yeah, PCC. <laughs> <laughs> But, so I lucked out because uh, there's um, <laughs> there he is, and I'm like, oh, that's him. And then this guy came out of nowhere. And was like, I saw your show back in '96 at the you know, River Theater, Amphitheater. you know. And, and <laughs> you're like, and glad I'm not that guy. Yeah, glad I'm not that guy. And then and then uh, 
as he walked around the corner, I go, hey, did you see that guy? And he goes, yeah. And I go, that's the dude who wrote and sung Little Doom Buggy. <laughs> He's like, oh, cool. Why didn't we say hi? Because <laughs> like, that's win. embarrassing. Can't win. <laughs> or like the other day, we were going to a show... Um, and we were driving to the ferry to go do a show, like, yeah. across the sound. Yeah. And um, we were having just normal band talk. And it was uh, the bass player from Pearl Jam was right behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know his name. Uh, uh, Jeff Ament. Yeah, Jeff Ament. Yeah. He was a really shy guy. I actually skateboarded with him once yeah. at the skate park. Yeah. Did not want to talk. <laughs> But I've, that's all I've ever heard about him is that he's shy. Yeah. Maybe that's why you didn't want to talk. He's just shy. No, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Dude, we got the same that guy bands. doesn't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Stop talking to me. No, he had really nice friends, though. It's like, that's actually a thing in the skate culture is that they, we call each other like dads of pads or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's just all these guys ranging from 28 to 48. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be here. Yeah. But we're here. Yeah. I don't know why we got onto the <laughs> Jeff Amen. But, um, well, I'll probably cut this out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the skateboard. The skateboarding part. The skateboard and the, uh, the minor celebrities that we see around town. It is weird, In the small little town. It is, because it's like a small little town of yesteryear in that way. Yeah. That's actually interesting because, yeah, yeah, it's, I guess it's perspective. What is it based on? Like how many records you sold or? No, it's just like we keep having really great music acts from Seattle pop up. It keeps happening, but. But they're not as huge as they, like Macklemore is huge, but, but there was a lot of huge stuff. Yeah, what the fuck is that? For a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Like those guys were as big as Macklemore during a short period of time. And now that's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Is he still huge? Who? Macklemore. I guess. I mean, I I guess. In a relative sense, right? Like it's really so hard to. Relatively, I guess. I don't really. When I was talking about the Young Evils, they're like, yeah, well. They're being like demonstrative, you know, like about just having sold. Uh, I mean, more more than demonstrative, they're being self-deprecating about having sold four thousand records over five years. I'm like, well, mm. that's that's something. That's charting these days, you know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, you know? yeah. There are groups that are literally in the top forty. They're having thousands of records sold, yeah. not yeah, hundreds of thousands, not. Uh, millions. It's, it's all relative, and relativity is is distorted. Yeah. So, who knows what it means? Are right? you guys gonna go to Spain again next year? <clears throat> I don't. I'd like to. Next I summer? think we. I don't. I think we will. It's hard to say after the experience that we had. It's hard to say that we won't. Like I just can't imagine not doing it again. I don't whether it's next year or you know yeah. when another record comes out, which more likely would be the following summer. Um. I think we will. It was just you so could good. you could um, do a combined tour with a Detective Agency now that they're on a Spanish label. We keep yeah. I mean that's been mentioned many many times. Just in yeah. you know like 
what if wouldn't that be awesome totally makes sense yeah yeah logistical nightmare oh it's logistical just to get four dudes over there like to you know get four more and for us to but at the same time i kind of feel like you know when we tried to book that tour i started doing it by myself because you know the label in madrid with the label in madrid i thought it might be a little easier but i just couldn't get any promoters to to uh take it really and and yeah and then the and then the label guy actually just took it upon himself oh uh, in a work of yeah awesomeness um and did a a stellar job how does awesomeness translate in spanish yeah i don't know but there should be a (laughs) word for it (laughs) yeah um but um but we played for promoters you know that they saw us that Uh they said we want you back and we'll do you know we'll we'll, we'll set up some shows and get you on some festivals and stuff like that so i think it'll be better next time and and if da like was if we could align it like yeah even better well how do you do that like they said we'll get you on some festivals next time so what is your thinking now about like how you um reach out to them to follow up on that I don't know. I think it's just keep in touch with them and anything that we record or just just keep reaching out and stay in, stay yeah. in contact. And, I, you know, they just, they have a handful of festivals over there, but Spain is not like Northern Europe or something like that. Right. It's not as dense with uh, music events and culture. It seems, I mean, it makes sense, but it almost seems kind of weird too that like if you went over there and like created a, a thing for yourself touring wise you know following that that wouldn't start to translate to other countries but i guess it yeah. does make sense that it wouldn't too yeah. i mean unless you really push for it too yeah i mean you know i don't like spain was so fulfilling like i almost yeah. feel like they're you don't even have why would we need? leave yeah <laughs> you know well i've heard just so good because the uk market is supposed to be really yeah. good too yeah but no i think it, i think it would be great to do spain and then do some some other parts of Europe too. Yeah. All, all told and said. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. And just have Spain be like, I mean, the fact that, um, you know, we have a record out in Europe, Mm -hmm. use that as like a, a reason to, to do it. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's, it's really cool thing that has happened to both your group and detective agency first, you guys, and then them. And it's like really, uh, exciting and quirky and unique yeah. you know and it's just like in the best way possible yeah you know there's like one thing that people don't realize is that musicians are always looking for the light at the end of the tunnel just something to validate i think being an entertainer is kind of carrying a little bit of a kid outlook yeah. the rest of your life through for for a very specific type of attention yeah no we're not immature enough that we need you to treat us like children but in a very childlike way we just need to see that what we're doing is getting the attention the result yeah and no matter where that's coming from it's exciting whether it's the audience or a label or yeah 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 and we're always stoked about anybody but it's yeah it's i mean yeah in some ways music is that right like it's not it's kind of the tree fall in the forest sort of scenario (laughs) right like if there's no audience then is it music Uh, you know on some like and there are those kinds of musicians that that they just really want to make music they don't even care about who 
Right. Yeah. But, you know, they're not entertainers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. distinguishing factor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Absolutely. It's it been pleasure. great talking with yeah. you, yeah. as always. guy we should all be so lucky to uh, have such a cool dude to talk to about music that was fun um, you can check out Rob's music zebra hunts music uh, in the description section of this podcast you can find links to it as well as on our Twitter page which has the handle at right behind us right spelled w-r-i-t-e Go support, make this music profitable for the artists, and they'll get you more of it. For pics of our guests, look up BD and the Sheiks on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on your podcast app. We have much more coming soon. That's it, and ciao for now.